Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 330. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me on a beautiful mm-hmm. Thursday afternoon here in Las Vegas for episode number 330. 330 consecutive wow. weeks of MMA content. That is balling. That is 6.34615384615 years straight. I was like, what the hell is he? I was like, what are you starting to break down? That's crazy. That more is crazy. More than That's six nuts. consecutive years without missing a single week. I don't, I don't, I don't brag on us enough about that. So I'm going to brag a little bit to get the day started this afternoon. I, it's, I think it's because I'm in such an excited mood. You know, cold coffee. We get excited for the big pay per view events. Uh, of course, you know that's that's when we go to to, to live venues now and, and crowds and all that. Um, but this card this are week we excited has got about excited. that? Are we I excited get exci- about that? Well, I get excited. You don't get excited. You get excited when you can stay home and watch it on TV. I get excited to go to the big venues, to go to the pay per views, to get the crowd back in the action. But I'm excited about this week. I will say though. Uh, I am excited about this week because I think this card is fun. I think this is UFC yeah. on ESPN 27 is fun. I will say this. Uh, we got an email literally seconds before we hit record today on, on this particular episode that uh, is not so fun now, and that is, uh, unfortunately, we just found out we're going to have to start wearing masks again uh, back at the UFC Apex. Uh, Clark County here in Las Vegas uh, has – I wouldn't say declared a state of emergency, but I guess they, they're seeing rising numbers in COVID, and so they're taking actions in basically all indoor businesses in uh, Clark County, which is where Las Vegas sits, uh, are now required to wear masks indoors. And I guess, even though the Apex, I, I don't know, I, I, I guess it's a place of business. I, I mean, business is being held there, so I, I guess so, even though there's not transactions and sales and things like that taking place. And we're not really employees either, by the way. Yeah. We're going in there and working with somebody else. But uh, unfortunately, it looks like that's going to apply to us. And, and we're going to be uh, back in masks this week. So I was all excited. <laughs> I was all excited to sit down and talk about USC on ESPN 27. Uh, I will say, I mean, look, we wore masks for, for more than a year because we were required to. And that was fine. And I'm not, you know, I'm not to politicize it or whatever. But it is what it is. But. I'm not going to lie. It, it was feeling it is. good. That's yeah, it is. It yeah. was feeling good not to have those masks on anymore. I'm kind of bummed to have to put them back on. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if part of it, too, uh, I think it's just them covering their bases just to be safe, you know, just to keep uh, the overall county and the commission happy. I wonder if maybe part of it, now that they're starting to, to, to sell some packages, the VIP packages, the tickets, um, that they're bringing in money at the venue, maybe then they're like, mm-hmm. okay, we are kind of acting as like a business. Because they, uh, you know, they're bringing in the public uh, to an, a, a legit event. Um, but it feels like even if they weren't, I feel like they probably would have made that decision anyways. They, they've kind of followed the line uh, before. I mean, I think if they really wanted to, I, 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 you figure that it, it's a private business that wasn't doing any sort of thing. You figure they could have just been like, you know, yep. um, screw screw you, Nevada. <laughs> We're going to do what we want. But <laughs> but I think they kind of just did along. And But you're right. Uh, ultimately... We've did it for Pat the whole last year, whatever. Putting a mask back on um, is fine, you know. Uh, it, it's not a biggie. Whatever we need to do, uh, you know. There, there are some people saying this measure doesn't go far enough. Um, that that it should be uh, other things going on um, is what it is. Uh, I'm not looking forward to have to kind of wear things back. But honestly, uh, you know, if any portion of kind of what they've been saying about this Delta variant and and its communicability 
all the other stuff uh whatever we need to do i don't i don't care i'll wear a mask it doesn't matter um even at uh, the 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 casino where i go to next door and uh watch movies there uh they have signs now at the palace station that are saying like hey you know wear your masks if you can so um you know wearing a mask isn't isn't too big of a deal for me yeah i'm with you there i mean it's not that big of a deal i think the big thing to notice really is just that um I think this goes to prove, you know, why the UFC and Dana White have been saying, hey, we're going to stay at the apex for the rest of the year, because I think that this is a very real possibility in other markets as well, you know, of kind of things we feel like they're moving forward and we feel like we're, we're progressing towards the right thing where we're going to have full arenas and all that, but things can change in an instant. And I think this is the reason why we haven't heard if that London event is actually going to happen or not. It seems like it's going to yeah. happen, but you know, it, it's these municipalities kind of making changes and, and moving backwards. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, again, like I said, we try to avoid talking too much about COVID because this thing has, uh, you know, controlled our lives for a year and a half now. But I think this is what's important to notice is that, man, everything is still in flux. There's there's, there's nothing guaranteed right now. Things can uh, can move backwards. So uh, something to think about as you're mapping out the UFC schedule and kind of thinking about what the future of, uh, of the company looks like right now. So, uh, all right, UFC on ESPN 27 is this week. Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw and what is an absolutely fantastic main event. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it is a number one contender's fight. Uh, winner of this very, very much uh, has a shot to go fight for the title, especially if it's Corey Sanhagen. I don't see how you could uh, deny him in the least, man. The run that he's been on since the loss uh, is just absolutely fantastic, and he's able to beat TJ Dillashaw, especially if it's something convincing. I just don't see how you would uh, not have him against the winner of Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan whenever that does happen. TJ Dillashaw, maybe you can make the argument um, whether or not he would deserve to get back in it. You know, he, as he says, he is the champion who never lost his title. It was stripped from him, but uh, it was stripped from him for a very good reason. You know, this is not one of those things where, oh, well, you couldn't fight in a week, so he had to make an interim title, and we ended up pulling this thing off you. I mean, obviously, um, he had the, the USADA suspension. So um, I, I kind of want to get your, your take on this. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I think, the really key topic of the week is how do we treat TJ Dillashaw and, and where do we, you know, look at his career and that sort of thing. And so what I'll do is is play uh, a little bit of the audio. I'm not going to play the whole thing. If you want to see the full video, TJ Dillashaw did speak with the media for about 20 minutes, uh, and that's up on the MMA Junkie YouTube channel. Uh, it's over at MMA Junkie as well. Um, but I will play you the, the, the portion of the conversation that I had with him, and then we could talk about kind of what we think about is, is going on with TJ Dillashaw at this point. So uh, here he is addressing the media at Media Day ahead of his return from a two-year suspension uh, after testing positive for EPO. This is uh, TJ Dillashaw. Welcome back, TJ. Appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate it. So Fight Week Media Day, is it, is it a day that you've been looking forward to or is it a day that you've been absolutely dreading? What's, you know, what, what's your thought? I guess looking forward to. You know, I'm, uh, I like Fight Week. Fight Week is that nervous energy to get out there and perform. Uh, questions asked about the fight. Um, for me, this is recovery week, you know. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to say that, you know, everyone comes in here and makes weight, but for me, it's it's time to recover, make the body feel good, and uh, get out there and show off. But you know this fight week's different than a normal fight week, right? Yeah. You know the questions everybody wants to ask. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, of course. So, is it, I mean, is it difficult to have to go back? Because I imagine this is something you want to leave behind, right? So is it difficult to know every interview I do, I'm going to have to talk about the suspension and EPO and all that? No, nah, man. I mean, that's kind of why I was so upfront about it anyways. You know, it's kind of like doing your own therapy, um, getting it off your chest right away. Um, nothing I haven't said is, I mean, everything's already been said. You know, I didn't hide behind anything. I put it all out there, and uh, it is what it is. You know, it, it's something you just got to, 
I'm a very mentally tough guy, and uh, it's not going to ever break me. Is this one mentally tough, tougher than, than normal? Because, right, like, if there's one slip in your performance, like oh, if yeah. there's one step down, people go, told you, that guy can't do it without the EPO. I mean, are you, are you, are you thinking about that at all? Not at all, man. And there's not going to be a slip in my performance. I'm going to go out there and look dominant, so it's going to be a great one. Yeah. Of course, the question everybody has, they want to know one time or multiple times. Yeah. You know, Cody Garbrandt came out, and he's like, ah, God, I've been doing it for years. So, I mean, what, what did you think, first of all, I guess, when he made that statement? I mean, did you see I didn't, it? I didn't know he made the statement. I don't really pay attention to uh, everything going on. I don't watch many fights unless I'm fighting you. Um, I don't really pay attention to the sport for the most part other than what I'm doing, you know. Um, immersed in the gym. I'm immersed in my training. Other than that, I'm in fi family life and business. Um, but for him saying that, I mean, it's kind of ignorant because everything's posted out there on the Internet. You saw it put me under a microscope after I failed that drug test. I got these emails just uh, showing that I was being drug tested, drug tested, drug tested. And I was like, well, I've only, I haven't been drug tested today. But they went back and drug tested me. Uh, so they keep an A and B sample. They retested all my samples from back uh, from when they very first started. I think it was right after my cruise fight. Um, and all of them came back flying colors. So people can say what they want. And, of course, there's going to be those speculations. That's the the reason of, of putting you on blast, right? Because they don't want people to cheat. If you don't want to cheat, then don't go through my footsteps, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, those questions are going to come. Those comments are going to be there. Those thoughts are going to be there. But uh, it's public knowledge that, you know, nothing's going to hinder it. Do you think it'll ever be fully behind? I mean, do you think you'll have to hear about this, like, like every fight for the rest of your career? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I think it's going to erase after Saturday. I'm going to come out there and see how good I look. Nice. So you were supposed to fight a couple months ago, right? Uh, suffered uh, a cut in, in training. Is that what happened? I guess what happened, and what was your mindset then? Because I'm, I imagine you're thinking about this amazing comeback story, and then it's yeah. like now I got to pull out of a fight. What, what, what was your thought then? Super pissed, to be honest, because uh, we were 13 days out from the fight. I was drilling, um, just doing some drills, um, some kickboxing drills with you know takedowns and stuff, and just wrong timing with my, my my teammate he dipped his head as I shot a shot and we hit a headbutt and it was a massive cut you know um so I had been taking the stitches out four days before the fight so there's there's no way I was gonna be able to do it um bummed because camp went so well um everything was feeling perfect you know and just my emotion of wanting to get back and do this thing already right so it had been two years and then May and now it's now it's gonna be two and a half years right so uh just long camp yeah was it important for you to keep the matchup together? I mean, because yes. why was that important for you to keep the matchup together? Yeah, I was afraid that they were going to just kind of give Sanhagen someone else, right? So that was my biggest worry was that this is the fight I wanted. He's number one contender. I couldn't fight for the belt because of the debacle they're going through. Um, this is the next best thing. Uh, it's a great fight for me. I know, I know the fight that I can win and, and get out there and perform very well. So I wanted to make sure it was going to stay the same opponent. So I told him, I'm supposed to fight May 8th. I was like, push it to the end of May, you know? Uh, that June, that beginning of the June card, they wanted to make sure that we were still a main event, and the soonest main event they had was July 24th, so now we're here. Does the history together between you guys, does it factor into this at all, or is it, does that not matter in a, in a real fight? Oh, it doesn't, doesn't, I mean, for me, it's nice, and I've always done very well against guys that I've trained with, you know, I'm, I'm a very good guy about game planning, um, I know where guys' weaknesses are at, and it's, it's nice, for, nice for me to know that, but it all matters when the lights turn on. And you can talk about practice all you want, but we ain't here to talk about practice. We're here to do it in front of everyone. Are you looking at this as a number one contender fight? I mean, has, I mean has it has it been told to you at all, or is that the way you're viewing it? Uh, it's definitely a number one contender fight. This is a real title fight, to be honest. You know, I was not very impressed with uh, Aljamain and Jan in their last fight. Um, I think 
Corey Sanhagen's the toughest in the weight class right now, and uh, this is a true title fight. You know, I'm the true champ coming back, and uh, it's time to prove it. Is there either one of those guys you'd rather fight for the title? I think Jan, I think he's the, the better fighter. Watching that last performance, he, he did uh, very well with his game plan against uh, uh, Sterling, and I think he'll win the next fight, so I'd, I'd probably rather fight him. Last thing for me, I guess, what, what's, what's the goal here overall? I mean, I know you want to win, you want to get back to your title, but I'm just wondering, I mean, like, your reputation and all is happening. I mean, are you hoping to, to rehab that at all or are people to leave that behind or, or have you just kind of turned on the world and say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it anymore? I mean, excuse my language, but fuck your reputation, you know what I mean? I mean, you got to worry about yourself. I have a great life. I have a great family. Um, I'm just worried about my, my, my coaches my uh, teammates, my family. Other than that, I could care less. You know, you can't be, I've been in this game too long to want to scroll through the comments and think what other people fucking think that are sitting behind their computers and not having anything to achieve for, you know? All right, so there was TJ Dillashaw. Here's what I think cold coffee is. I, I honestly get the feeling that, well, there's so much to talk about here. I mean, how do we treat his past? What you know? What? How do we look at his previous accomplishments? Does does everything that he's ever done have an asterisk next to it? Um, and how do we treat him now? And how, you know, do it, does does he get to come back at that level? And is he fighting for for a title right away? And boy, it was funny. You know, as we were streaming that, of course, you were you were streaming the media day. I was watching the live chat. And I guess maybe monitoring a YouTube live chat is probably not the best way to get your uh, take on public opinion because it's it's a yeah. little bit of a cesspool at times. But I guess, man, kind of the feeling that I got is that everybody's mind is made up one way or the other. And it's either this guy is, is a cheater and everything that he's ever done is through cheating and, and he doesn't even deserve to be here. Or, hey, I'm a fan. He addressed it. He apologized for it. He did his time. Let's bring him back. And I, I guess, like, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Personally, me, yes, I do believe people deserve second chances in life. We all make mistakes, and we all have done dumb things. And I know that I have done some incredibly dumb things over the course of my my life, my professional career. Um, and fortunately, you know, I, you know, I was given a, a second opportunities in all those things, and, and I'm here today. And I believe in that. I believe in second chances. Um, but I do think that there is at least a little bit of a question. I know TJ is saying, look, I did EPO once. It was that cut down the flyway. It was wearing me out. Uh, I had to do this, um, and I got caught, and I'm a cheater, and I'm sorry, and let's go. And I appreciate that. Like, on the one hand, I really, really appreciate that because, man, I'm so tired of the, well, I took this, you know, Thai sex pills, and I guess, it's not, you know, yeah. it's just, just these weird stories that we've heard, heard over the years for him to just man up and say, I did it. But I do think that it's fair to say, listen, I know that USADA went back and tested those B samples and all that, but we just don't know. Like, we really don't know, right? I mean, I know he says it, that he only did it one time, but I don't know that I believe that 100%. And so I think he deserves a second chance, but at the same time, I, I don't think you can totally say that he was clean before that one fight. Yeah. I mean, it's hard It's hard to, you know, not take it for face value. I and mean, there is the part of you that, that says, oh, well, if he did it once, more than likely he probably did it another time. But again, uh, without proof and without just a statement from a guy that doesn't like him sort of saying this went on forever, this went on for, for a long time, ask anybody, ask anybody. Well, you're the only one that's really been saying that. Um, 
to how he came out and addressed it, I appreciated what he did. Um, I appreciate how he came out. I know it, I thought it was kind of funny how his manager and others were just like, I can't believe you just came out and said that. <laughs> um, I'm like, uh, that, I thought that was pretty honorable for him to do it. I mean, it was, a, it was a shitty situation where he was doing something dishonorable, but he at least tried to put an honorable uh, end to it um, mm-hmm. by coming out and saying something. Um, you know... There is the possibility that he did something in the past. You know, if there was an, an inkling to do it once, it could have happened uh, before. You know, you can't deny that. But without proof and without whatever, I, I'm willing to take him on his statement that uh, he owned up to his problem. Uh, he did some shitty part, you know, some shitty things by taking this. Um, but then he owned up to it. And so who am I to to hold that over his head for the rest of his life? Because he has to go in and he has to test again. It's not like we just have to take him on face value that he's a clean athlete. We will actually see right. that he's a clean athlete, you right. know, when he goes into these fights. So if he's coming in clean, then, you know, good on him. Um, he's doing what he needs to do. Um, I, 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 I was a fan of him before because I just liked his personality. I liked that whole team. Um, you know, I respected what he was able to do. I mean, he came in and killed the killer, uh, Hen and Brown, when nobody else uh, wanted to fight him, and he was like this monster. That's and, right. Uh, and is a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, there will always be some people that are angry at him, and will say, "Well, we don't know for sure if he wasn't using at that time. We don't know what's going on." Um, but hey, you know, I know the testing has evolved over the years, so maybe you know things had happened, uh, or things uh, would have been found then that maybe. Um, are found now in current right. tests, so who knows when it comes to that but um but it's that's who who am i to speculate and i mean that's in the past i would rather not have an asterisk on anything outside of the test that he uh that he failed i don't i i personally don't want to put it on his whole career because just like when uh john jones uh would say you know it wasn't testosterone that threw that kick to the face it right. wasn't the you know it wasn't the EPO that um, was able for him uh, to do the things he did to Hen and Brown and then to win these things and, and do half these things that he did. So I don't want to take that away. Um, I'm willing to, to to give him, you know, not a clean slate because he admitted he did something wrong. You know, he he will have that on his career forever. He, that will yes. be in his legacy forever. But I'm also not going to hold it against him and, and assume. And feel that I think he's doing something shady going into uh, every fight. He doesn't deserve that. He 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 came out. Uh, he was uh, judged guilty in a, a court of public law. <laughs> you know he's <laughs> always go- he's always going to have that. And you saw that in the in the in the Twitter or I'm sorry the YouTube chat. Um, people are going to be hating on him about that sort of thing forever. But one thing I will say on the flip side is until you reminded me of the shitty little tie sex pills and all the other <laughs> stuff. People will forget. People will forget about um, you know these discrepancies and these uh, mistakes that these fighters make, or anybody makes. People will make mistakes and people will have failures. Um, but until somebody brings it back up into your face and reminds you, oh yeah, but remember this mistake, people will forget it. So I think in the in the in the court of public law, eventually people will be easier on TJ. But you just need to have more fights, refresh the memory, get more of these clean tests uh, right. and good things happen and people will eventually will will at least won't be thrown it in his face every time he's always going to have it and and i thought it was great for him to not shy away from it 
not ask us to stop asking the questions, right. not ask us to say, guys, can we please move on? Can we just think about this? He addressed it and he was open and he was as honest and open as anybody that you could ever imagine or want to be in that point. So uh, for me, I respected what he was, what he was, how he was uh, carrying himself at the media day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I assume he's going to and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what it's going to be because yeah, he's been gone for a long time. And he's jumping right back into the deep end again. Yes. Easily the number one contending guy, the guy that I think most of us on staff are picking to win this fight. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's a tough test, but uh, I don't hold anything against him from the past because, like you said, I've done plenty of shitty stuff in my past <laughs> that I would hate to get thrown in my face every time that I made a public appearance. Um, but just for him, unfortunately, he until he gets enough fights under his belt that people can start to see that, okay, well, while he might've at one point in time been a dirty athlete, uh, he's a clean athlete now, you know, and uh, I appreciate his motives and I appreciate his, his willingness now and his focus on family and uh, trying to provide for that family. So, um, you know, who am I to, to tell a, a fighter or a man that he can't provide for his family? Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of key things there, and 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 the ones that really resonated to me, and what I what I I think the great summary of it is, you're right. I'm not going to assume that he was dirty in any of those other fights. He says he wasn't. The tests don't show that it was. So I'm not going to assume, and I don't think anybody should just assume that he was dirty right. in the other fights. However. I will also say that he can't get mad at anybody that speculates that it was a possibility. You got caught as a cheater, and, and you're right. I don't think there should be like a formal asterisk next to any of his accomplishments, but I think it's okay for people to say, you know what, I'm not 100% sure about that. Now, as you said, he's being tested, and he's being tested more frequently than he was before, and that's going to continue. you got to think USADA is going to yep. continue to make him one of the highest-tested athletes in the organization. And if he's able to produce clean tests after clean tests after clean tests – and still perform at that exact same level as he says. I'm not going to slip. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be even better. I'm going to dominate. If he can do that, then I think that little cloud of of you know thought of oh well maybe you know maybe he was using it all along. I think it, it starts to kind of dissipate a little bit and it goes away. But until it's done, as you said, until he gets fights under his belt and still he accomplishes these things, um, I think it's okay for people to say I'm not sold just yet. You can't assume yep. he was dirty. But you also don't have to 100% believe him that he was clean. I think you got to see the results, and we'll go forward from here. But again, yep. I just I feel like, as you said, I, you know, all those other athletes in this time, I feel like people have. You're right. I, I guess time does kind of heal all wounds, right? And you end up forgetting about it. But it's so weird because I feel like people are going so hard on T.J. Dillashaw when he did exactly what I want. You know, I would prefer that nobody cheats. Period. But if people do cheat and they get caught. I would prefer them to handle it the way he did, which is not tell yeah. me some goofy story, which, you know, is just come out and, and, and say the truth. And I feel like TJ's been hammered as hard as probably anybody, but I also think maybe that's just because some people just don't like TJ Dillashaw. You know, you got the Conor McGregor effect, yeah. as he said. That's and, it, that's you know, it, that I think, I think if it wasn't for Conor going out and really laying into it and calling the sneak and the grass and all that other kind of stuff, <laughs> he, he immediately painted him at one point as just being this super shady individual. And I think a lot of people, especially the, the Connor McGregor army out there, uh, never gave up on that, you know, right. and that was a huge, uh, huge megaphone against this cat, you know? So, um, I wonder if that never happened, if the level of, of the, the sort of disgust would be as big 
if he didn't have the biggest star in MMA jump in on this guy at some point in his career. So it's tough. It's tough. I mean, that's, that's a big I, I, one I think, to go against. Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. I really do. So, all right, so here's so here's the question. All right, you're right, and you said I think the majority – I haven't seen our official staff picks yet, but I saw them rolling in, and uh, I, I, I saw a lot of Corey Sanhagen picks on there. Me, I picked Corey Sanhagen as well, and I'll be honest. It's not that I don't think TJ Dillashaw can win this fight. To me, yeah. I, I think this is almost a coin flip type fight if both guys are at 100%, and I'm excited for it. But I, I lean towards Corey Sanhagen because – the questions are around TJ Dillashaw, right? I mean, yep. is he going to perform at that level? Um, you know, first of all, there's there's just, I mean, you have to say it. You know, did the EPO make some kind of difference in his performance? Especially when you think what EPO does in terms of giving you better cardio and you think about how his style was so based around movement and pace and cardio and all those things. So you wonder, will he be the same? And then you just, and then you just, bring it back to the simple mechanics of he hasn't fought in two and a half years you know what I mean meanwhile Corey Sanhagen's on a roll what's that going to be you know it's the 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 typical you know cage rust ring rust type discussion so to me all the questions are around TJ Dillashaw and that's why I picked Corey Sanhagen but I sure as heck ain't ruling TJ Dillashaw out of this fight so then the question becomes if TJ does win this fight which I believe he's capable of does he deserve to fight for a title and I think a lot of people are saying no he doesn't deserve to fight for a title but I'm going to be honest with you. This goes back to the second chances thing. And I think, you know, he served his time. He paid his due. His, he was stripped of a title. You know, he's he's lost income during this time away. Uh, his reputation has been, you know, damaged, tarnished, however you want to say about it. There's no question about that. Um you know, he said that, you know, had he stayed, he, he might be nearing retirement at this point, you know, had he been around yeah. to, to win a couple more fights. Now that's that not the case, hard. right? Yeah, you know, he could be hard. When he said that, I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. I was like, he's so right. If he didn't lose this time, he could have easily had, I, I don't know, four, five, six, eight fights. I don't know. I mean, I could totally see it. When he said that, I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that. This Pretty wild. could have been retiring soon. That's pretty yeah. wild to think about. So now he's got to kind of pick that up again. So, I mean, he's lost. So to me, I guess, is what I'm saying is he has paid a price, and he's paid a pretty significant price. And, you know, it's it's you don't get to serve your time and then and then get something else that you don't. So to me, there should be no concept of, well, if he beats Corey Sandhagen, it's only one fight back. You know, he's got to show us more. I believe if TJ Dillashaw wins this fight, he does deserve to fight the winner. Of, of, of Sterling and Yawn for the belt. Am, am I wrong there? I mean, does does he need to pay more of a price, or 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 does he deserve the title shot if he wins? You know, I'm I'm kind of torn both ways. Um, one side of me definitely would like to see him get another fight or so, just for the fact of, you know, Corey and these other cats have been grinding nonstop. I mean, who knows um, what Corey if, if Corey had had multiple drops or whatever, multiple losses or whatever, he wouldn't be in this position to kind of be the number one guy. But he's done the he's done the fights. He's won against the top guys to get to this position. While TJ did sort of leave on the top, a lot of time has changed. So, you know, part of me is like, oh, you know, uh, I, I want to see him fight again. I want to see him earn that position. You know, that being said, if he goes in there and starches Corey, uh, who is a much bigger guy, I think he's given up like five inches in height. Um, and has an, an explosive showing, it would be hard to not say uh, this is the guy that needs to be in there. I think the UFC would say that just because of the fact if he comes out there and puts on a super explosive performance, um, you don't want to waste that momentum. You don't want to waste that hype that he just built up by, by knocking out the number one guy. Um, 
And they've done that before where it feels like uh, they've skipped over a guy that came back just to kind of give, just like even what, if Connor would have beat Dustin, we all know Connor would have got the next title shot. Absolutely. <laughs> no question did he about deserve it. it. And did he, and, you know, I mean, and it's like, uh, no, not really. Obviously, TJ is not Connor, but in the terms of TJ left, um, he was on top of the game. I mean, like, uh, granted, uh, there was that huge black mark that made him have to lose <laughs> the top of the game. Um, but still, you know, a couple years away, uh, my gut initially wanted to default that I would I would like to see him fight again. But if you're beating Corey, who the heck do you put after that? Exactly. That would be any higher to take you to the title. And there it doesn't exist, you know. So in, in terms of there just being lack of competition, even probably a decent win should probably get him um, that shot. If he goes in and has just an incredible knockout in the first couple of rounds where people are just like, wow, that was just crazy and there was drama, you know, uh, it'd be hard to deny it. But as I as I talk it out to myself right now, if even if he beats Corey, who the heck do you put after that that would be any better to sh- to show he deserves the shot, and there, there just isn't any. There is. Else. I mean, listen. There's name. I mean, you could always, you know, you could say, well, what uh, you you could throw in a Frankie Edgar, or you could say, you know, a Rob Font, or you could say, uh, you know, I mean, there there are names, but you're right. I mean, Corey Sanhagen is the clear number one contender in the division right clear now. So one. there yeah. are names. I mean, that 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 division is talent rich. So there are names you could put in there, but they're not above. Corey Sanhagen. So what's the point at that point? That that to me yeah. just feels like a, a, an added punishment. Like what? I beat the number I, I one contender. You were say that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. It does it does a little bit, but I wonder if we're just being weird about it and, and saying like, oh, by giving him a chance to make more money or whatever is a punishment. But it does feel that way where, where it's almost like we're not quite happy with you yet. We know you you did the time, you did the crime, but do more fights now, and then we'll decide yeah. if we like you enough to give you the shot. You're right; it does kind of feel like a a, a weird sort of second punishment. Um, so I can I can get in the corner of uh, if he beats Corey, he probably deserves it just for the sheer fact of anybody else. No offense to the guys at the top; it would be a weird step back in competition. And then what do you do after that? You know, how do you take him after beating the number one guy? Take it somebody uh, behind in ranking. And then you got to find somebody else, or then you then give the title. It just exactly. it feels better that the title shot coming after beating a guy like Corey Sainhagen, as opposed to say beating the number five or number six guy. That that just feels weirder to kind of sell. And even if you, I mean, even if you take the controversy out of it too, I always do kind of hate the fact when you have a fight and you say, well, it's a number one contender fight for that guy, but it's not a number one contender fight for the yeah. other guy. It's like, well, why not? If that That's guy so was weird. good enough to fight for the title, why can't? Why am I not good enough to fight for the title? So we'll see. Look, it's an intriguing main event. It's as good as it gets in terms of high quality, you know, martial arts. It's as good as it gets. But the drama, this story around it, over what happened before and what could happen next, man, it makes this an incredibly intriguing main event. So I am super pumped up. For it, even if I will have to wear a mask while I'm watching it from cage side inside the <laughs> UFC Apex. Uh, all right, listen, we'll talk about the rest of the card, but first, it's Cold Coffee's favorite new segment. Uh, if we, I mean, we don't really do segments so much, but hey, you know, we're we're we're, we're trying to change it. I mean, after six point three one five six seven two four three five years, you know, maybe yeah. we need to maybe we need to tighten it up a little bit. I don't know, I but don't know. maybe maybe at year seven point three four five eight three four. We'll okay. 
I, I think that makes sense. Then, then we'll tighten it up a little bit. But uh, I mean, do, do you want do you want to roll out the theme music for it? Is is it all packaged and ready to go? Nah, it's, it's still a work in progress for roadmap, 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 roadmap. <laughs> I thought that was that it. That sounded it like again. it was highly that produced. Again, that sounds like how it was last time because that's as far as I've gotten on that one. <laughs> oh, it's the MA Junkie Roadshow Roadmap. It's where we turn to you. The listeners and the supporters of MMA Junkie Roadshow to help guide us on our journey here. Of course, if you like what you listen, we do appreciate uh, everybody that, that takes a moment to rate us and review us wherever you're listening to us. Uh, I always listen on uh, Apple iTunes. If you leave us a review over there, I always read all those. And we appreciate the feedback, positive or negative, although we really appreciate the positive a lot more. Uh, our fragile egos don't like the negative ones quite so much. So we would appreciate as much positive. drink even more. It causes us to drink even more. So positive feedback only, please. But if you really, really enjoy what you listen to and you want to help support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Sign up to support us there for as little as $3 a month. You can help us uh, keep this thing going, help keep the lights on. Even when they're flickering in the studio, they are at least still on uh, as they are. You can help me afford a better light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) The light is flickering in Studio B, but we appreciate it. Uh, Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. So, and, of course, that does give you exclusive access to the and-a-half episodes after every single UFC event, which is basically after every single weekend these days because, that face it, that's how the UFC schedule goes. But we'll bring you a wrap-up and that sort so of thing. Crazy. But we also turn to you for the roadmap and ask you to uh, give us some questions and let us know what you want to hear about. So without further delay, Cold Coffee, would you like to share us a question from the roadmap? Yeah, let's start with, uh, let's start with Zachary. It's from the top. How to handle showing my boys MMA five years and two years. They've seen some and we rough house a bit. But when talking with friends, they ask, how do I show them that when telling them to be nice and no fighting, you know, school, daycare, you use manners. I'm curious on yours and John's thoughts. Hopefully I can eventually get them in some classes and it'll make more sense. Well, cold coffee. I'll let you chime in if if you like, but I I, I have got some real world experience in this, so yes, I'll I'll, sh- I'll share what I have. Obviously, my son Eli is nine now. Uh, man, he started training. I want to say he was about four or five when he started training, and and we've we've done some training at Extreme Couture. We've done some training at Syndicate MMA. He's currently training uh, at Robert Drysdale's. Um, so he's he's been a part of this, and obviously. You know, uh, he, he he knows what I do for a living. He sees it. Uh, the, the the shows that I commentate for CFFC, you know, they watch those on Fight Pass. Uh, he, he comes and sees fights. So he's exposed to mixed martial arts. He's I, I will say, and, and Zachary, I don't know if your kids are, are, are maybe a little bit more focused than mine, uh, he will not sit down and watch a whole event. That's that's for damn sure. He, his, his attention span does not stay there. But he's definitely familiar with MMA, and he does train in mixed martial arts, in different mixed martial arts skills, including some striking, uh, including some striking, uh, but obviously a lot of jiu-jitsu and wrestling, that sort of thing. I think the biggest thing from day one is just to clarify how important it is that you cannot ever do this on uh, on the schoolyard or, or in the cafeteria or wherever. And the, I mean, I and my wife tried to make that painfully clear from day one because, you know what, I was a little worried that what if my kid gets into a scrap at school, which happens. It happens all the time, right? But then you go to the principal's office and it's like, oh, you're the kid of that guy that does the, you know, the MMA reporting. Of course you're yeah. violent and fighting and that sort of thing, you know? And from day one, I always made it clear, you know, as far as what you see on TV, as far as being a fan and watching this, the reason that they get to do this is because they get paid for it and they're professional athletes that are allowed to do this. I said, if, if you are not getting paid for it, 
you do not get to do it. Now, as far as self-defense and that sort of thing, I have, I'll just, as, as, a, as a parent, I'll admit it, I've told my kid that if somebody swings at him, he is allowed to do whatever it takes to defend himself and answer back. And I, I don't want him to be bullied. I don't want anybody to push him and, and not answer back. So he knows that he can respond uh, with, with the necessary actions. However, he also knows that if he's the one that instigates the issue, if he's the one that takes the first swing or he's the one that's being a bully, uh, that there will be hell to pay. And I assure you that uh, his mother uh, would probably be even harder on him than I would. But he knows, look, you can be kicked out of school for this. You know, you can you can be expelled. I mean, there are very serious consequences to pay. So I think it's, it's just – I think it's so – important just to be clear from day one that like look what you're seeing here on tv is something between trained athletes professionals who are who are licensed who are sanctioned they are in a cage the fact that they're in a cage allows them to do this uh this is not allowed to be done outside this is this is not something else you can do so i think as long as you you know make that very clear distinction and make make it be known make it understood what the consequences are going to be if they try to partake in these activities um you know on the schoolyard um so far we've been fortunate man we haven't had any incident and and my kids despite training in martial arts you know from a young age he's he's never really gotten in a fight or or, or bullied anybody or anything like that so um that's my personal experience i mean just being just being painfully clear about it i guess i, I know that maybe that's not the uh, most complicated advice ever, but it's worked for us. And, and I think you're right. And I think that's one thing is, uh, you know, not having kids myself, but, uh, you know, I got the nieces and nephews and stuff, but I, you know, one thing I have understood is that, um, kids are future adults. You can talk to them like they understand you. You don't have to mm. kid things down. Uh, I think at, even at these early ages of two and five, you know, if you explain, you know what's happening. Uh, what's right and wrong. When when is it when it's okay to um, you know defend yourself. When it's okay to do these things and when it's not. Um, and I don't think you have to really dumb it down. I think uh, we don't give enough kids enough credit when you treat them um, like a little person and you actually speak to them like a little person. I think they're willing to understand it. So if you have a good relationship with your kids and I think you explain to them, this is what I would do if I was in your situation. And this is when I would try to uh, defend myself. And then this is when I would like to walk away. This is when uh, I don't need to do something. Mm. And you explain uh, when you're watching MMA that these are trained athletes that chose to do a sport where they want to challenge themselves. And I think, uh, you know, it does help when you um, if, if, they, if the kids are interested in martial arts, I think you learn a lot of discipline and you learn a lot of respect and you learn a lot of um knowing um, that you are being trained in something, but you know when to not use it by being further aware of their bodies and uh, they and, and teaching them when is the right time to do these sort of things and when is not, uh, I think they'll get it. So I think if you want to watch it and they understand that you like it, they're going to want to watch it because they, they just want to spend time with you ultimately. And if you're talking to them um, and explaining this is what's happening here. This is a good move. This is good, but this is what you would try to do if somebody's attacking you. This isn't the kind of thing that you just play around with somebody that doesn't want to do it, that isn't, uh, you know, into the same sort of thing. And I think they'll understand, and I and and I and I think that they'll they'll get it. Um, I think too often in in life we don't give kids the uh, uh, the proper understanding that they can understand that what we're doing. I think we, we think that we need to dumb it down to too much for them. 
um, I think they just, you know, if you explain to them um, what's happening, when the right and wrong is, uh, I think they'll get it. And this made me think of something that uh, I remember reading a tweet once or, or maybe it was a comment on a chat you had put something out once and I remember I wanted to address it and I completely forgot about it because it was crazy. Somebody once you put a uh, post out about Eli doing jujitsu or something. And I remember somebody was like, John, don't try to make your kid uh, do the sport that you, that you covered just to make yourself happy or something. And I was so uh, perplexed by it. And I wanted to like lash out <laughs> this dude and like, because they don't realize this isn't you pushing Eli. This is Eli. Eli does like 50,000 hobbies and activities yep. and his jujitsu and all the martial arts and things that he does is Eli's choice. So I, 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 I thought that that was just so like just out of left field that this person thought that you were trying to push Eli into it. Um, and that's almost, I guess it kind of ties to this question too with, uh, you know, Zachary, then like just because your kids want to get involved, they, they want to get involved because you like it. Yep. Same thing with John. They sees you. That's your life. And eventually he was drawn to it. And he has the understanding because you were always honest and open about it. And you said, this is what this is what we do. This is the right time to, you know, when you would use these sort of things. And he enjoys the sport and he enjoys watching it. And I think it's the same thing for these kids. I think at any age that they're able to have a decent conversation with you and you know that they're understanding what you're doing. I think you could watch it because you just got to explain it. You just have to use it in words that they understand. You know, don't just say, oh, I like, dad likes this because people get their asses whipped. You know, that, that's <laughs> not going to work. But if you explain that the beautiful side of martial arts and uh, the the sport side as well, where it's just individuals trying to challenge themselves, uh, you know, it's, it's like watching a basketball game. It's just a different sport. I think the kids will get it. Um I gotta but. say, cold coffee is a, is a non-parent. That was pretty solid advice there, man. You, 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 you I think you get it because I agree. Just talk to your kids. You don't have to dumb it down yeah. for them. Talk to your kids. Listen, come for the MMA talk. Stay for the life advice for your children. It's <laughs> it's it's the parenting road show with John Morgan That's and cold like, coffee. There's a reason why my my nieces they, they, they uh, I love my nieces. I love my nephews or whatever. But my nieces they think I'm like the cool uncle. You know, they love that I cover MMA and that the other stuff, but they're they're older and stuff. But uh, but it's honestly, it's because I've never I've never treated them like my like my kids. Obviously, I treat them like my my brother's kids, but or my sister or whatever. But um, it's just about, you know, talking to them and they respect you for that. And as they get older, they will always maintain that sort of level of respect that you give them. So if you respect your kids and their understanding, they're going to respect you. Good dad. And, Cold and, coffee. And there was that point where I remember when I was a kid, and my, my dad and others said, well, if you act a fool, if you do something I tell you not to, I'm going to whip your ass. That's a whole other flip side. But I left that, that too. out of this. That I too. Left that out of this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> to tell your kids uh, to do right, you're going to kick their ass. No, don't. Well, Zachary, that. hopefully that helped you out, Zach, and anybody else that's in that situation. Because I do think it's one that I think we all wonder. I mean, you, like I said, you want to show the, your kids the sport you love, but you do wonder because you can't, you can't be doing that out on the uh, out on the schoolyard. All right, let's get to question number two, Cold Coffee. Uh, well, I was going to see if you wanted to pick one up, but uh, I'll go ahead and jump to another one that uh, Joe, who loves busting our chops when we forget things. So we'll just jump down to Joe Lucente, and then we'll go up Joe to Joe from H-Town. Oh, Joe Lucente. Uh, oh, okay. I, thought, I, I saw two Joe. Joes there. Well, that's right. Well, Joe, I just figured instead of just going straight down the line, I'll just okay. skip around or whatever. So Joe said, hello, gentlemen. And I say that loosely. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to hear both of your opinions. Do you think that Misha Tate decided to make a comeback so she can try to change her legacy? get out from under Rhonda's shadow. Mm. Let me explain. 
If she beats a few top contenders and then, and then actually beats Nunez, she'll become the second woman to win back the title after losing it. And of course, she would have beaten Nunez and she would have done all that after a five-year layoff. So at that point, she could claim that her fighting career in the long run was better than Ronda's. Now, obviously, this is pure speculation. Boy, that's interesting. All right, Joe Lucinti, as you said, he likes to bust her balls every now and then, but uh, that's that's a solid one. Okay, um, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that much, but you know what? It really could potentially do that, right? I mean, especially when you mm-hmm. think about the way that Ronda's career ended. You know what I mean? But um, I kind of almost feel like Misha's there already, as, as weird as that may sound. I think that, and, and maybe this is just my own personal point of view, and, and I'm not downing Ronda Rousey. I, I, you know, I was a Ronda Rousey fan throughout her entire uh, career. I didn't love the way it ended in terms of how she yeah. handled things outside of the cage. And I do think that the court of public opinion really changed on her very much. Um, and, and I won't say that she damaged her legacy because I see a lot of people now trying to go back and rewriting history and saying, well, Ronda was never really that good. And Ronda, was, no, Ronda was incredibly impactful on the history of mixed martial arts, the history of UFC. Um, and if you talk to women on the roster to this day, they will tell you how much gratitude they have for what Ronda Rousey did because she really did create the opportunities. Now, maybe it would have eventually happened, you know, somewhere down the road, but Ronda really is the one that got the ball started with women in the UFC, and she kind of set the tone um, for it being accepted. I mean, she was as big a star as there was in the sport at the time. Now, of course, uh, she dominated the rivalry with Misha Tate, and, and uh, you know, when you dominate, I guess as Daniel Cormier said, is it really a rivalry, right, if you, if you lose? Um, so, I, I you know, I, I think that Ronda's shadow was there, but, you know, when I think of what Misha has gone on to mean to the sport in terms of an ambassador, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, um, an an analyst, you know, she went and got the the, the role with one championship, Um, you know, she's huge there, you know, she continues to do things, she comes back, I honestly feel like she's not under that shadow anymore. So I, I don't think so. And, of course, we know Misha pretty well, uh, a Las Vegas resident. Uh, she is back in town. We, we've always talked to her. Uh, you know, I see her uh, at Extreme Couture. Um, not as much anymore. That kid doesn't train there. But but just, you know, knowing her throughout the years, I don't think she feels like she's under that shadow of Ronda Rousey. I really don't. Um, but in terms of, you know, what coming back and, and winning would mean, yeah, I mean it would be big. I mean it would it would be a point where you could say like, okay, yes, you know, Ronda dominated that particular point of my legacy. However, my legacy then extended far beyond, and I came back and beat the great Amanda Nunes. Um, I don't know that she'll beat the great Amanda Nunes, and I mean that yeah. is no disrespect. I, I don't pick anybody against Amanda Nunes right now. So um, I think that what you're saying, Joe, is true. It would accomplish that, but I, to be honest with you, I feel like she's already not even under that shadow anymore. Um, and I don't think it was her motivation. I don't think it was her motivation. Knowing Misha, I don't, I, I don't think that that factors into her thinking at all. You know, she's got her family now. That means the world to her. She's still a competitor. She's got uh, this drive within. Obviously, you know, the financial ramifications of a fighting career aren't a bad thing either in terms of, su- of supporting your family moving forward. So I think there was a lot of motivation. I think what you're saying would be true, but I don't think it's why she came back to fight. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely in agreement with that. I, I mean, I think in her mind, the Ronda fights didn't uh, doesn't affect her. I think if it'd be one thing if she never came back to fighting, but it'd also be another thing if she never had her career kind of go in some sort of direction. For her to be able to go away, pick up the uh, you know, like you said, the analyst work to to get that cool job with one where she was representing that organization 
in a high level role as well as being a female uh i don't know if you call it executive or whatever but but just yeah. being a female in a top position yeah. um was wonderful for her right there as well to come back um look better than she's probably ever looked um you could tell her determination is there um the you know her desire to to want to perform i thought she performed great i think in her mind it wasn't ronda that made it made her want to keep going and move on um i definitely think it was the family and other stuff if she's able to kind of go in there and you know and like you said beat amanda which is a tough tough task Mm -hmm. um i don't think anybody even needs to worry about those ronda losses um in in i think in the overall scale of uh the most dominant female fighters ever amanda is up there what ronda did was amazing for for the period that she did it um she clearly dominated people but she dominated women for that window until women caught up to what she was doing yes now now that doesn't that's not going to happen and we saw that happen you know we had we saw fighters that went in there that were able to defend the armbar defend the judo and just pummeled ronda and ronda eventually left on her own terms she left on she left still high uh, in the sport, but, um, you know, if she could kind of beat Amanda, I mean, that would be a much bigger, um, thing in my book as for overall legacy coming in, coming back to the sport after five years. And if you're able to beat, um, the one that is pretty much most people consider, uh, the goat of, of women's, uh, martial arts, um, who cares about the past? Who cares about the couple arm bar losses that you have her heart and, and, and determination that she showed in those fights she let her arm get twisted off. Yes. And it was, that was still, I, I, when I, I could still envision, I think everybody that's ever seen that fight is just like, holy cow, I can't, you can't unsee the way her arm was bending. Just shows her heart and her determination. And, uh, you know, while I could see some people uh, can say, uh, you know, she'll always live under Ronda's shadow, you know, there is truth in the fact that she can't get those losses back. Ronda's not fighting anymore. But if she's able to come back, and even if she doesn't get a good win from Amanda, um, and she puts on a great, uh, you know, great series of fights at this point, it's a it's a wonderful part to her own legacy of her own determination, um, her own drive to provide for herself and her family, um, and, and 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 kudos to her. So, um, yeah, I mean, tough task to try to add the Amanda news as part on there, but. Um, I'm with you in the sense that I feel like her just coming back after such uh, a long time away and getting wins, she's already uh, she's already out from underneath that shadow of, of those mm-hmm. losses for sure, I think. I agree. All right. Thank you, Joe Lucente. We appreciate that. All right. We'll get back. we got a few more questions in the hopper. We'll get back to that in a second. I do want to continue talking about UFC on ESPN 27. By the way, I did want to share one more thing about TJ Dillashaw that got brought to my attention this week that made me giggle a little bit. That is, if you Google TJ Dillashaw – and it'll bring up a little thing, you know, Google has added a little, you know, I don't know, what do you call that, a little section or whatever, a, 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 ah, I can't think of the word right now, but it brings up a little thing right there, a, a widget is what is what I was thinking of, kind of a little widget there, it brings it up, and the nickname there is Lieutenant Dan, which I absolutely love, <laughs> and it was funny because there were some people, I, and I had kind of forgotten about this, there's a whole generation of people that have no idea about the Lieutenant Dan nickname, but it was funny. I was telling the story actually to Nolan King on our staff. He he was he hadn't even heard the nickname before, and uh, and I, I I was 
telling him about the situation and I found a piece online that I had written that I totally had forgotten about that I I I, I wanted him, I wanted TJ Dillshaw to to adopt that nickname so much Lieutenant Dan uh so for anybody that doesn't know Lieutenant Dan if you remember the movie Forrest Gump uh, Lieutenant Dan was a character in there, and of course he uh, had the uh, the amputated legs. And there's a scene in there where he's out on the ocean on a boat, and it starts like storming and raining, and like he's literally you know yelling at God, right? He's pissed off, and he's like, "Come on, give me what you got, bring it on!" And the joke was that when T.J. Dillashaw came into sparring at Team Alpha Male his first day, that's how he sparred. That he was just like, "Let's go, my so they started calling him Lieutenant Dan, and that was like his very unofficial nickname at Team Alpha Male. And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I think at the time, like people were like, you know, just trying to give him nicknames. I think at one time there was a nickname called the uh, the, the Viper on his Wikipedia page, but he said like nobody's ever actually called me that. I think somebody just added it to his his Wikipedia page, uh, which was funny as well. Another funny, story. but I actually wrote a story. In USA Today, and I think I remember—I didn't remember writing it until seeing it this week. Um, but I remember at the time thinking, if I put this in USA Today, if this goes in a newspaper and a major online, you know, news distribution outlet, like hopefully it'll stick. Maybe he'll be forced to use it, uh, and of course he wasn't forced to use it. But if you Google his name, it comes up as his nickname. So I don't know how that happens. I don't know if I have an MMA junkie listener to uh, to thank for it, uh, but I think it's amazing that Lieutenant Dan's there. And if you didn't know the story of the nickname, that's what it is. Uh, all right, so we've talked about that main event and how great it is. Co-main event, Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chasson. Um, a big fight here. You know, uh, Macy is kind of breaking into the top ten. You know, she's a former featherweight. She's got size. She's got power. Um, but Aspen Ladd, somebody that, that we thought was – um, you know, destined for a title shot until she had, you know, major knee reconstruction. She's been out. She took her time to come back. Um, she says, look, I'm still that same person I was before, uh, and, and I intend to prove it here. Um, you know, I think Aspen Ladd is, is the rightful favorite here, but, you know, you talk about question marks. You know, she she hasn't been in there a while. It's been 19 months since she's competed. She's returning from knee surgery. Uh, Macy Chasson will tower over her when they stand next yep. to each other. Um, Macy is the underdog here, um, but I think she's a live underdog. I took Aspen Ladd in this, but I think this is a very intriguing co-main event that people might be sleeping on. Um, it's 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 a big one. Um, Holly Impaiva is moving up to 135 pounds to face Kyler Phillips. Holly Impaiva, uh, of course, was not able to make the flyweight limit just a couple months ago and, and had to withdraw from the fight. He's moving up to 35. He said this is where he'll be moving forward. Uh, right away, he's getting a ranked opponent in Kyler Phillips. I like Kyler Phillips a lot. The Matrix, uh, you know, he's got style. He's got swagger. He's a fun fighter. He came in wearing a, a green suit the other day that we turned out uh, his mom made because she's a fashion yep. designer, which is awesome. So he was sporting all the stuff from her. So uh, he's a very fun fighter to watch there. So that's going to be a, a potentially fun fight. Darren Elkins versus Derek Minner. I mean, two veterans of the sport. We know about Darren Elkins, his reputation, his toughness, uh, and Derek Minner, of course, you know, a, a, a submission machine as well, you know, a finisher, two guys that have been around the game for a long time. That should be a fun fight. Um, let me just say, uh, Randy Costa versus Adrian Yanez got promoted to the main card. That's going to kick off the main card. That's an awesome fight that we were bummed was kind of on the prelims. It got bumped up to the main card, uh, rightfully so. Uh, that's going to be an absolute scrap. That's got Fight of the Night written all over it. Um, and then this women's fight, Macy Barber versus Miranda Maverick. 
intriguing fight here as well. Macy Barber uh, has lost two in a row at this point. Of course, you know, her, her goal to be the youngest USC champion has kind of been dashed. Um, and, and now, you know, she's got to prove, um, you know, that she is what, what she says she was and what everybody said she was, you know, the future. Everybody thought this was the one. She had the loss to Roxanne Motiferi, and she kind of wrote it off and said, well, I had this knee injury, um, and that's what caused it. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because she's like, no, you, you just got beat, and, and you also had a knee injury. Um, but she came back from that. And now she and, and then she lost to you know, says you to Alexa Grasso as well. So two losses in a row for Macy Barber. And you know, I, I don't know how much you can call it a crossroads fight at 23 years old. I mean, this woman could have another 10 or 15 years of fighting, but this is a big moment in terms of where she stands in the sport. But she's coming up against somebody in Miranda Maverick who. Uh, equally young, just 24 years old, um, and just turned 24, by the way, um, has looked very, very impressive in her two fights thus far, um, is 2-0 and in the UFC, and looks like the real deal to me, and, uh, I, you know, things I like to do with the road show is, is maybe shine a light on some fighters that, you know, ha don't have a ton of it, um, and I, I think you will listen to this interview, and, and, and I don't know how you can walk away from this interview and not be a fan of this woman at 24 years old, the way she carries herself, uh, the way she speaks, um, it, it, you, you know, you add it to the way she fights, um, and I think there's big things on the horizon for Miranda Maverick, so uh, here she is. Well, we're going to talk about it. I mean, uh, the UFC run has been pretty impressive so far, and here you're in kind of a high-profile fight already, unbeaten in the UFC. I mean, what's... What's the feel like around, uh, you know, you and your career right now? Uh, this is just happy. You know, I'm happy coming into this fight. I've had a lot of time to prepare for this one specifically. Um, it's been a high ride so far, and I plan on keeping the roller coaster going uphill. So really excited about this fight and the future in this sport to begin with within the UFC. Everybody's trying to get to the UFC, right? And then once you get there, you kind of change your goals. I mean, this has gone very well for you. Like, did you envision things being you know, this good, I guess, as, as you got in? Uh, that's the envision you want to think of. I never really uh, envisioned, oh, I'll hit a bump here and do that. I always think just to the sky, you know. And so far, it's been that way. Um, I've been envisioning getting to the UFC since I started the sport at 18 years old. So finally here, and now the goals just changed. First, it was get ranked. That happened pretty quick. You know, I couldn't ask for that to be any better. And now it's get ranked in the top five, then be the main contender, then fight for the title. That's where it goes from here. So it's been a fun ride, and I'm excited about the journey as well. But at the end of the day, it's all a means to an end for me. You know, I have other things that I'm doing outside of the sport, and that allows me a big advantage, I think, in the fights. I'm able to kind of risk everything and just go into a fight not afraid to lose. Nice. This matchup, I think everybody's pretty excited about it. What did you think when this was the one that was presented? Because, you know, two prospects, you know, top level, I mean, it's it's an intriguing one. What did you think when this was the matchup? Uh, I think I've said it multiple times. I even said it when they were talking about what fights are going to be coming down the pike for me and asking me to predict who I was going to fight next. And I said I wouldn't doubt if they say Macy, but I don't want it. Uh, that was the only fight I didn't want because I think we're both very young prospects. I think we both have a big future in the sport. She's already on a two-fight losing streak. She's going to be on a three-fight losing streak. And now you've knocked somebody who could have been a very good prospect out of a division that's very stagnant and has a bunch of older women. I think they should get some of the older women to fight some of these young prospects coming up instead of knocking us out against each other. I just think it's a uh, bad matchmaking from that perspective, good matchmaking from the perspective of our own styles, you know. It's absolutely an amazing fight. It's the fan favorite fight. I knew that the first time I met her, you know, the cameraman was like, go back in the elevator, you know, and come back out. Let me videotape you meeting Macy Barber. And I was like, all right, we already know what's going on here, right? 
but it's really good stylistically. I just wish we would have been number four ranked, number five ranked kind of thing instead of number 14, 15, 13, 15, whatever we keep bouncing back to week after week. Yeah. So I think a lot, of, a lot of the questions around her are around the losing streak, right? I mean, yeah. she was the hype thing, um, and people are wondering, hey, is she really still what we thought she was? But you seem pretty respectful of her. So, I mean, do Very. you feel like she is what, all, all that we thought she was? She is the future. Um, people want to – even she loses this fight, she's still the future. Think about how many older women are going to be retiring in the next five years from MMA that are in the flyweight division right now, most of them right? Most of them. And that leaves what five of us probably left. She's going to be just calculatively in the top five, top 10 in the world. And to discount her for a couple losses against some of the good girls in this world is kind of uh, taking away your own fandom, your own knowledge of the sport. It looks bad on you, not her. Can you talk about your prep for this fight? Because that was interesting, right? You spent some time here. Uh, you, you brought in Jillian Robertson, right? Yeah. A for, like a, a former opponent that, that you brought in. So what was kind of your approach to this one? Uh, this one was just work hard. Learn some new things, but also work on my nutrition. That was the main focus for this fight. Um, and I did bring in old opponents. I brought in Deanna Bennett, who I fought twice in the past in Invicta. Um, I brought in Jillian Robertson, who I just got done fighting. But I think you can learn something from every opponent. And those are two of the opponents that I struggled with in certain areas. You know, Deanna Bennett has heavy pressure, heavy wall work. I don't have as many people my size to work with for that. Brought her in, got a lot of good work with her. Then Jillian comes down. She obviously, in the second round of my fight with her, was able to control me on the ground more than I would like. And I'm not used to having a girl do that to me. Brought her down. She got to beat me up some more on the ground so that I could learn from that. Um, I'm big about being humble and being able to learn new things from people. Not like, oh, I can beat her or I already beat her so there's nothing I can learn from her. Absolutely not. You can learn something from everybody. And then to come down and get to enjoy the opportunity of the PI and get to train with some of the strength and conditioning coaches here, get to train with Aspen Ladd, Andrea Lee. Um, that was an amazing opportunity as well. I mainly train with guys and the girls that I do have. Um, are more Muay Thai fighters, so I don't really ever get to grapple with somebody my own size or get in that training with someone my own size. So I think that just gives me such a huge advantage in this fight, and I try to go into every fight with as many advantages as I can, legally, of course. <laughs> nice. You, so you saw this matchup coming together. I'm curious. I mean, what are your expectations here with a victory? I mean, you're on this, you know, rocket ride to the top. Like, what do you think comes next? Is it is it one of the older women in the division? I would hope so. I would hope so. I hope they uh, give me somebody that's top five ranked or so. Work my way up to the title pretty quickly. I said two years ago, about a year ago. So we're getting pretty close to when I want that title shot to happen. Um, I'd love to be a contender within the next fight, two fights. Um, they get mad at people for being new to the UFC or just being prospects calling out the title, but what else do they want us here for? Isn't the whole point to go be the best we can be, not to be like, you know, I'm happy with number 10. I think I'll just stay here for the rest of my life. No, we're trying to all get to the title, and whether it's a dominant champion or not, that's who I train for. I don't train for anyone below that, and I'm trying to train to be the best I can be. I'm not even to my peak yet, and I plan on working my way to it very quickly. That's awesome. Last thing for me, I guess, what, are the, what, what is the goal here? I mean, obviously victory, but I mean, do you feel like, hey, I need to go out there and have some kind of dominant statement type thing so I do get these top opportunities right away? Or is it just, you know, let's just put another win in the bank and, and, and keep going down the trail? Uh, I guess both, a mix of both. You know, I go in there to just fight to the best of my ability. If a finish happens within that and I see it, great. That's course always what I'm going for. I'm big about trying to finish fights. Um, last time I was a little bit hesitant in certain spots um, where I think I could have finished the fight a couple times and I don't plan on making any of those mistakes this time. But it's a fight. None of us know what's going to happen in there. Just the same way of people, what's your game plan? You know, I don't know. Watch the fight. That's what you pay for. You know, but 
I'm going in there, just going to try to use everything that I've learned, not only in this fight camp, but the fight camps leading up to it, and trying to make a dominant performance, regardless of whether we get a finish or not. I expect this to be a very exciting fight. All right, Miranda Maverick, like I said, I just, you know, I mean, just unbelievable poise and confidence and uh, tough fight for Macy Barber here, man. This is a tough one. For Macy to have kind of a, a rebound fight or a reestablishing fight, man, this is this is not the one to take as an easy one. So a uh, big fight for both these ladies. I just, Cole Coffee, I love every fight on this main card, man. I really do think this is going to be a fantastic main card. And, you know, you start getting down to the prelims. Brendan Allen versus Puna Soriano. Ian Heinish is on awesome there against – Yeah, Nasruddin Imovov. Mickey Gall is on there against Jordan Williams, who's changing weight classes. I mean, Elise Reed, the former CFFC champ, is making her debut. Obviously, I get excited for seeing uh, CFFC fighters coming to the UFC. She's got a tough assignment. She's moving up in weight class against the Jar Eubanks, who's actually coming down a weight class. So there's going to be some size discrepancy between the two of them. But Elise Reed is uh, as tough as it gets. I mean, it's just – I really do think we're in for an absolute fantastic card. But in, anything out of out of media day or, or, or these matchups or anything that um, that really stood out to you? Because it was – I thought it was a rather fun media day, to be honest. I just feel like we've got a lot of personalities on this card and a lot of, a lot of fun fighters and a lot of fun fights. I'm, if you can't tell, I'm jacked up about this card. Yeah. Obviously, the, the, the fun little candy relationship between – or a candy and Dr. Pepper between uh, Randy Cuffton and uh, – <laughs> Adrian Yanis has been fun to watch that. It's always appreciative when you can see two guys going in there that are fighting at a high level that are keeping it fun, that are keeping it light, that don't have to hate each other going in there. So I thought that was really fun and awesome to see. Um, going back to Miranda, you're right. Uh, she killed that that media day. I thought she crushed it. And Macy did well as well, um, mm -hmm. just in terms of just looking good when they came out there. You know, So I'm definitely impressed to see or and looking forward to see how that fight goes. Mickey Gall, um, you know, him and Jordan, I think that fight's going to be gangbusters. I mean, I, I actually, uh, well, we pick staff picks on that one, even though it doesn't really go in our normal staff picks. We just kind of been picking everything. That was one of the ones where I went back and forth, and I wasn't quite sure which guy, you know, like you said, Jordan going to a different weight, weight division and Mickey. Mickey's always sort of been this guy that just kind of shows up for the ones where you, you think that there's maybe a possibility that he won't win, but he always shows up. I actually went with Jordan um, mm. leading into this, but then listening to to Mickey talk, man, he just, uh, he's, there's no doubt in his mind. I mean, he's so focused and uh, just, if, if you go back and listen to the interview on MMA Junkie, uh, I just, afterwards, I, I really started questioning, you know, part of me when I was looking at Jordan, I just like his size. I like his power. Um, you know, part of me was thinking like, man, Mickey, I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. I'm not quite sure if there's going to be some questions with him coming into this one, but, uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to that one because I think I'm going to probably keep my pick on how it is, but that's one I'm looking for. Mickey's either going to come back and show us the guy that, um, you know, after he first called his shot and got his, his, mm -hmm. his big shot at the UFC, um, is he still that guy that, you know, has the potential to kind of keep rising? And I think this is one of those fights where um if he can show up and he shows that you know things are still going you know well and that he's still capable of high level performances you know i mean maybe maybe he's still in the in the the ranks of possibilities to to someday make some sort of a run i can see where some people might think that's clearly out of the the works for him um but every time i see him 
talk and I see him at these media days, I always go through in my head, is this guy champ potential? I don't know, you know, but um, he certainly always hypes me up. Um, so I'm excited to see that one. Um, Sarge, I'm always I'm always interested to see where she's at in her career. Um, I don't know off the top of my head really how well I can remember Elisa's fights, but I know Sarge likes to bring it. But um, I'm always always into seeing how Sarge fights because uh, she's just uh, she's just a fun fighter. I mean, I think for a while there, she's the one that a lot of women, um, not that there's like a gatekeeper, but that she's one of the tough ones that all the the prospects and those that eventually make it up to the rankings always have to go through. Yep. So I'm interested to see that because this is early on in the fight card. Um, they clearly have uh, the skills um, to, to set the night off good. So it'd be interesting to see. So I'm interested in that partially just because I want to see where, where Sajar is at, you know, where she's still at in terms of, um, you know, do I think she'll ever be, you know, contending for the title? Not so much, but, um, She's still always capable of pulling great fights out. Um, and I'm always interested to watch her because I think she's such an exciting fighter and exciting personality. It was kind of sad we didn't get to see her on media day just because she's a lot of fun um, when she shows up and she's in, in a good mood. And then, um, you know, even just the first one, I'm interested to see how Hannah Goldie's going to look. Uh, yep. I, I think she's got uh, a lot of question marks on her as to whether she really can be effective and, and, and does have the potential to keep rising. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but yeah, this card stack, man, uh, you're right. As we were going through and, and looking at the main card and even going down to the preliminary card, there's not a lot of fights that I'd, I'd say like, uh, you know, that I, there's no fights. I would say that I have at least no interest in really watching every fight on here has, uh, has some interesting points just to see. So even from the very, right from the get go. So, um, this is a, this is another really, really good, uh, ESPN card for sure. Yep. Um, you know, uh, maybe even, I don't know, say better than the last one, but in terms of overall value, top to bottom, oh, this I, is probably better than the last one. I, I completely agree. I think this, 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 as, as a whole, this might be as good of a card of a fight night as we get all year. I mean, meaningful matchups, yeah. intriguing yeah. matchups, names that right we there. know. Um, I think this is fantastic. And just to give you a little insight on Elise Reed, by the way, obviously I do commentary for CFFC on Fight Pass. Uh, she's a strawweight champion there. Uh, I'll, I will, man, I'm not going to make any bones. This is a tough assignment for her UFC debut. I'm proud that she's in the UFC. Like I said, I love watching fighters develop. She is a uh, kind of, you know, grew up with a striking base, kind of a karate base style. Um, but, you know, obviously at this point, like anybody, is a well-rounded fighter. She is as tough of a human being as you will ever find. Like, her, her durability, her grit, her, her determination, like, you honestly can't match it. But I will say this, you know, she's a natural atom weight who was already fighting up at straw weight. And now she's going up to flyweight against Sajar Eubanks, wow. who's coming down <laughs> from bantamweight. So it yeah. scares me a little bit, but I'm telling you right now, if there's anybody who won't be scared or intimidated by the moment, it's Elise Reed. And she is, yeah, she's an absolute badass. So I'm pulling for her, uh, obviously, as, as, as the CFSC love goes. But as you said, Sajar is always, uh, you know, fun to be around. And we've, we've enjoyed talking to her since her Ultimate Fighter days. Um, so it's uh, it's an intriguing one. It's a tough assignment for Elise Reed in her debut, but uh, not not I will say if anybody can can deliver, it's her. All right, cool coffee. So that kind of breaks down USC on ESPN 27. I, I don't know I don't know where to go next though. I don't know how how would I determine where I would go next. Where, where should we go? I don't I have an idea. I, 
let, let, let's pull out the roadmap again. Oh, the, the roadmap. roadmap. That, what a great idea. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Let's consult uh, the roadmap. How about we go to the guy that loves busting your balls and that uh, you'll get a, you will get a chance to see in Houston as well. And uh, I loved his, his comment the other day. He said, should I bring the cooler or not? Because the cooler last time got us fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, the answer is always yes. Bring the cooler. Bring, bring the, the cooler. cooler. I won't bring be the there, cooler. but bring the cooler. So this next question is Joe from H-Town. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, there's so much talk about, uh, you know, should we be humoring uh, all these little crossover fights, these Paul fights, these Mayweather fights, blah, 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 whatever. So his question is, if you talk about Jake Paul fights, I need you to talk about pro wrestling. AEW <laughs> Dynamite is every Wednesday on TNT at 8 Eastern. Best show on television. Also, why won't you interview CM Punk already? <laughs> Cheers, fella. Cheers, fellas. That's so, funny. Uh, why won't right. you wrestle? And 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 we'll jump down. Muna uh, said, <laughs> Muna is another guy that's commenting, and we'll, we'll throw him back in because he had a, another follow up question about Misha that I probably could have thrown earlier. And it's funny because he says, "No one wrestling, but I do agree that you should interview CM Punk and get insight on his fight being overturned." That's funny. That's funny. All right. I am also going to go with Muna and say no on wrestling. <laughs> uh, however, I, I will say, yeah, great great questions with CM Punk. Um, you know, it's funny. You know, there's reports that he's coming back, which uh, I don't follow wrestling very much, but obviously I've seen those reports, and it would shock me. I'm going to be honest with you. When I talk to him, he seems a little burned out by the business that, that happens behind the scenes at wrestling. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you make the man a lucrative enough offer, uh, and maybe he's coming back. But I've seen the reports. I personally would be shocked um, just from being around Punk, but uh, but we'll see. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I will say that as the whole process was going on, Nolan King was doing a lot of the reporting on the whole situation with the fight being overturned. I was in contact with Punk about it, uh, who did not know that his fight had been overturned. So we actually broke that news to him. Um, but once he found out uh, it was for, for a marijuana test, he was basically like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I basically reached out and I was like, do you have any comments that you want to make? I mean, we'd like to hear what you have to say. And he was like, what am I going to say, dude? Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, okay, fair enough. So, uh, I would say he's clearly moved on from his fighting career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has definitely moved on from his fighting career. And, and, uh, yeah, he didn't care too much. It had been overturned. Now I will say this, had it been for a PED, you know, which that was, I think his initial concern, yeah. I think that would have, that would have upset him a little bit. Cause when, when, when he first found out about it, you know, he, he raised an eyebrow a little bit and was like, what? Like, what's going on? I think that would have upset him a little bit. But once he found out it was for marijuana, he was just like, dude, who cares? Like, just go yeah, smoke he's like, come weed. on, bro. It's weed. Yeah. Go Come smoke on, nobody's weed. smoking he, to go fight. Even even the straight edge CM Punk was like, yeah. I don't care about about weed. So yeah, athletic commissions that should tell you the guy that will That's not put it. anything in his body whatsoever says I don't care I that don't the man care. was smoking weed. Um, as far as interviewing him, yeah, yeah, we do need to interview. It's been crazy, man. You know, him and I uh, have have definitely developed a friendship since we've been working together uh, at CFFC. But the schedules have been weird because basically during COVID, I mean, the idea was we're on the ground as little as possible. So we were coming in like last minute. Um, basically, uh, he is also a professional sleeper. Uh, CM Punk takes naps every single day. That man goes That's to awesome. sleep early. And still takes naps every single day, so it that's was just why always he looks a, so pretty. That's, that's why, why he looks so pretty. That's why it's there. <laughs> so he, uh, it's tough to get scheduled with him. And I can tell you that his 
appetite for speaking about anything wrestling uh, in a podcast. Of course, I'm an idiot about wrestling, so I wouldn't even know what to ask him. But I bet we could get him together and talk about uh, – I mean, he still is incredibly passionate about MMA, which I think comes across in the broadcast of CFSC. So um, it, for him to talk about his own career, I can tell you he is not going to want to at all. Um, I could probably slip in a couple of questions or whatever, but we will. Him and I will do an interview at some point. There's no question about it, and obviously it will be right here on, on the MMA Roadshow. Yeah, but, it will. Yeah, it will. As I mean, far he's, as a cool, he's a cool goes, cat. No. He is a cool yeah, cat. No. <laughs> I, I like him. I like him. I, I like, yeah, I, I, dude. He's. I've. I've become good friends with the man. I really like CM Punk a lot. Yeah, he's. He's fun, man. And, and I enjoy listening to you guys. Uh, definitely, when you guys do the the CFFC shows, I mean, they're getting better and better every time. And uh, he's come it. a long way with that as well. So yeah, he's. A, he's a cool character. He's had an interesting life. So it would just be good just to get touch base with him and see where his head's at. You know. Um, and just to get him opening up about that, I bet he, he's got a, a hell of a lot of cool stories. I would be more into hearing his cool stories about wrestling than to, you know, really sort of cover the like AEW shows and like the try to hop into the storylines. I mean, when it comes to the athleticism of today's pro wrestlers and the stuff they're doing, it's absolutely bonkers. I mean, these guys are, are just yeah. crazy athletes, crazy fit, and the routines that they do. You know, I remember when the first like New Japan shows that we saw, there was a wrestling match that went on for like a legit 45 minutes or like an hour. And I was like, how the hell can these guys go for this long? I mean, you, you can't you can't take that away from them when it, in terms of their athleticism, what they're putting out there. Um, it's cool stuff. But, you know, it, it's it's just fun to watch off to the side. I mean, I, I it's hard enough to um, try to just become more uh, educated in the sport that we cover than to cover like the, you know, the professional wrestling. The only other sport that we're going to get more involved with and cover it uh, is uh, the LFC, which is <laughs> the, you know, if you want to talk about pro wrestling, some of the, some of the, the new athletes coming into the lingerie fighting championship have a, a background oh, they in professional their wrestling. Up. They're stepping their game up so much. A lot of them, uh, some, well, not a lot of them. Some come from ring of honor. Some, um, what's the other one? W.O.W. World of Wrestlers or something else. Um, there's like legit um, professional wrestlers, granted, on the much smaller regional scene that are starting to make their way over. So um, if you want to hear some wrestling talk, that's more likely where it'll come from is from our LFC stuff as opposed to <laughs> uh, some of the professional athletes out there. But AEW for sure is legit. Um, uh, their shows are awesome. Um I have watched some episodes and, and I put it on par and, and maybe even like it better than some of the storylines and stuff of like the WWE and or whatever the other ones, major ones now, NXT. I like I like the AEW better than those picture ones. And New Japan is probably the other one that I like a lot, even though I can't understand half the shit they say in it. Uh, <laughs> so so that, that's that's cool. But yeah, All I right. doubt that we'll ever do uh full uh, pro wrestling talk. And there you go, Joe from H-Town. That will conclude our wrestling coverage ever on the <laughs> MMA Road Show. You, you got some, and that's it. Final question here is from Enrique Ortiz. He said, question I've always been curious about. Does fighter pay when accepting a five-round main event? Do fighters automatically get a pay increase when accepting main event fights? Would Leon Edwards or Robbie Lawler get a pay increase for doing five rounds in a non-main event setting automatically? Also wondering if you had to add on fights to your contract when negotiating that. Thank you. It's a good question, Enrique. And bottom line, 
line is, yeah, most contracts do have a clause in it uh, that if you're a main event or a title fight, you know, you're going to get an increased pay. You're going to get a, a different rate than what your normal base pay is. So um, that's already in there. Now, these these new special five-rounders, I guess the, uh, the the Diaz rules, I guess, is how we're looking at this because it's Nate Diaz and now Nick's getting one. Um, you know, I imagine you've got to uh, you've got to negotiate that. So that in most contracts, uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily just state five rounds. It states for a main event because obviously with the main event comes, you know, extra media obligations and extra PR obligations and, and those sort of things that have to be done. So therefore, most contracts do have, you know, kind of a, a kicker, if you will, that would be involved in them. Um, same thing with a title fight, although normally, you know, you uh, you, you get a chance to, to, to negotiate uh, when you get a, a title fight as well. So you can normally get a new deal. But normally, there are uh, clauses in there that are already uh, taken care of for that. So at the end of the day, it just boils down to what your manager negotiates for you um, and what the USC is willing to give. Uh, mm-hmm. But if a special situation, you've got to uh, you've got to negotiate in there. By the way, uh, Muna had also asked about Misha Tate as well. He, she asked if uh, she would be going back to one championship after she's fighting in the UFC. My understanding is that she actually left the position, not that it's on a temporary hold. That maybe it would be available to her when she comes back, but there's there's not uh, any sort of guarantee or anything like that. So thank you to everybody that weighed in with the questions. Appreciate that. Uh, as I said, Patreon.com/slash The MMA Roadshow. If you can. Uh, Join us, sign up, support us over there, and uh, send us a couple roadmap submissions as well, and you can help guide the show. All right, one last piece of audio I wanted to share for you. Right before we sat down to start recording this, I had a chance to speak with Gilbert Burns, a very fired-up Gilbert Burns. I don't know if you've seen him on social media, but he's been throwing down. Uh, He's one of the nicest, most humble, coolest guys that you'll ever meet. He's been out there spitting fire on social media, so I thought I'd ask him about that and get caught up with a couple other things and just see where the progression of his career is. And, uh, hey, any chance I get to speak to Doreen, you, I'm going to do that. So here's the conversation we had uh, just a little bit before we sat down to record this. Here's Gilbert Burns. All right, so Gilbert Burns, behind the scenes, I'm always telling people what a nice guy you are. I'm saying, man, this dude is one of the nicest, happiest people you'll ever meet, but not right now. You're not playing Mr. Nice Guy anymore right now. I, I love this spicy new Gilbert Burns talking trash on Twitter, man. What's What's going on right now? I woke up hungry and I was like, you know what? Those guys were talking shit. I'm going to say something back, you know? And then I would just, and I would just, I target those three guys that were talking. I remember, I do remember, I know, I remember they asking Jorge, hey, what do you think about Gilbert performance? Say, yeah, yeah, he quit. And they're like, hey, I didn't quit, you know? I was trying to take the guys head off, but it went too much. It got emotional, but I didn't quit, you know? And then Leon was talking mad shit uh, after that fight because I was just kind of criticizing his performance. I just, I do believe he had a finish last time. He will be the one fighting for the title. And I just said it that way. And then he was just talking mad shit. And okay. And I remember Nate too. Uh, when when Masvidal didn't go to fight and they offered me the fight with Kamar, he was talking mad shit. I said, you know what? I woke up and like... I'm gonna speed fire on these guys today. Let's see if I get a fight. And I was just, and I had fun. It was freaking funny. It's people talking shit, and I like it. And I know a lot of fans sometimes. A couple guys get in favor. A couple guys get against. I'm just having fun. I don't care. And then it was funny. I had fun. A lot of fun yesterday. Kind of today a little bit. I love it, man. It's fun to see because it's you know it's a little bit out of character for you, but it's fun. I mean, you're just coming straight at. So let, let's talk about. It. I mean, listen, you fought two weeks ago. 
You had the big win over Wonder Boy, and I know I know you didn't love it, you know, but it's still a win. So what I wanted to ask you, what is it about Steven Thompson that makes him so hard to fight? Because you're obviously not the first person that had a fight with Wonder Boy and walked out of there and didn't feel like it looked amazing, you know what I mean? So what, what makes it so hard in there with him? That freaking style, bro. The guy is long. First of all, he's six foot tall. I'm five ten. I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of reach against these guys. I never had. I have freaking small arms, so I had to go forward anyways. I like it, so I put my style to go forward. We we kind of planned that too much. I gotta go forward with these guys, and I like to go forward. But these guys move so good, you know. I I had to bring a guy just just to kind of. As soon as I brought Raymond Daniels, and he was kind of breaking down why he does the stuff. I was learning so much, and I fell in love. I said, oh, shit, like this. I never thought about this shit. You guys move good. I like that footwork. And then I, I got a couple of footworks and little things. And uh, But the first, I'm not going to lie, the first. So I spar with him kind of daily. Every day we spar. We didn't spar banging crazy, but we, we move. Let's move around. I'm going to try to take you down. Don't let me. Bro, and the guy, the first. I'm not gonna lie, the first week I didn't get close to the guy. The guy just moved and hit me, moved and give me a right hand and move. And I'm like, man. And then I open up and say, hey, how do I get close to you? And then he showed me a lot of words, a lot of things. And then I was, I was kind of implementing that to my gaming. And I'm a freaking addict with that. So I say, okay, that's the way for I'm gonna drill as much as I can. So every day I was doing. On the next week, I was able to get a hold of him, and then I'm like, okay. And then we're just getting better, get better, better. By the end of the, the training, I was getting better, but uh, but it's hard. It's still very hard to fight the guy because they they so fluid, they so they flow so nice, they light on the feet, and on the same time, they can hit you very hard. The kicks, he got me a couple kicks, bro. That I still have a freaking bump right here on my arm. I don't know if you guys can see it, but. That thing is big from one kid, like, wow, that guy is hard. And then I tried to kick it back, and then he freaking checked my kick, and my, my feet still swollen, like, man. So it was very hard to fight against him, but uh, with all the, the work that I had, I think two guys were very big help. Jason Jackson helped me so much and get a hold, get a takedowns and work. Jason freaking good. And Raymond, so those, those are the two guys that I use so much in making me implement that battle on the fight, but freaking guy has a good takedown defense, he has good movement, that style is good, and he's a freaking nice guy that sometimes he want to play too nice that you don't want to hit the guy so nice, <laughs> and if you shoot in the fight, I don't even look at him so much, I don't, I just walk in the octagon, he was just like, let's shake hands, and like big as mine, and I'm like, I'm not going to be looking at these guys, like, you know, because he's a freaking nice guy, so... Uh, that makes hard, you know. He's a freaking nice guy, great style. Yeah, he, he's very tricky style. If you don't get, if you don't prepare well, he's gonna be a, a nightmare for you. Is it like a mental challenge? Because I think a lot of people just go, "Well, why don't people just kind of rush him? Like, why don't you just push forward and go in?" Is it just does it start mentally confusing you a little bit, or is it just difficult to get a read? It's very hard to take a read. If people don't realize, hey. And I and I, I don't look at the comments. I don't. I do not. But I, I, a lot of guys say, you saw that comment? The guy saying, why don't you bang with him? He said, me? You go there and bang with him. It's so hard to get on close to the guy. Like, he's very tricky. He's a nice guy. He plays the decent. He plays very – he tried to, 
to bring you to that game. Yeah, we're nice. We're just sparring. No, we're not sparring. But he's he's very, very good. I think uh, the one of the biggest things was bringing Raymond Daniels to help me understand that, that, that style. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was very hard losing that fight to Komaru and then bounce back and then fight another guy that is freaking good. And if you take a closer look, I lost to Kamara on the striking, right? For sure. Uh, I, I got emotional. And I, I got a little out of my way. But I lost to him on the striking aspect. And now I'm going to fight another striker. I, I mean, a real striker. Because Kamara is a wrestler, for sure. The guy's a completely fight at high level. But he's a wrestler. Now I'm going to fight a freaking high level striker that has a fre- freaking good takedown defense on my fight to bounce back to the title. That was really very tough to get through. But uh, fortunately, I was able to, you know, to train, to prepare very well and go out there and execute. So, yeah, it was a very hard fight. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in fairness, Kamaro's turning into a pretty good striker these days too, very man. Good. He's getting a little bit better. Very good. Guy is a freaking monster. Hard working. He works very hard, you know. No doubt. So, all right, so you get the win. Like you said, it's it maybe not as satisfying as you like, but it's still a win over a top guy. It puts you right there at the top of the division. Now – you're ready to book another fight, from what I can tell. You want to go ahead and get this thing booked, and you're struggling to get these guys. Let, let's start with Nate Diaz. I mean, you, you you were calling Nate Diaz out, and Nate's Nate's funny, right? I mean, he's got the fans yes. behind him. Yes. He knows how to yes. play the game, yes. right? Yes. He, he's out here saying, I don't want to fight you. I want to fight for the title. I mean, I guess everybody wants to fight for the title, but he just lost. So what are you making this whole Nate Diaz situation basically saying, I don't want to fight you. I, I, want, I want to fight for the title. I like him. He, he, he's freaking funny. He's a freaking entertaining. I'm not gonna. I don't like. No, I like him. I watch him. Even, even though he's not. I don't think he can be a champion anymore. But he's freaking entertaining. I, I'm not. I, I like the guy. I'm not gonna be the one. Oh, you know. I'm not gonna watch. No, I watch it, bro. He's freaking funny. He. That guy. Even the way he talks, I think he's freaking funny. He today and. I like it. I'm not gonna lie, but I he he was the one that started talking mad mad crap about me when they fucked Mario posting the Dan Hooker loss, and I was just like, man, maybe that guy wants to fight me. And I just realized he don't want to fight me. So it is what it is. I I like the guy. If he, I don't think he ever gonna fight me. To be honest, but you know what? I was just having fun yesterday, and then uh, I like it. I, I like it. There's nothing against the guy. I freaking like the guy. He's funny. He's crazy. And uh, I thought we were going to fight, but now as soon as he come in, I'm a gangster, these guys, and blah, blah, say, let's fight. No, I'd rather fight the other guys. Say, oh, you don't want it. Okay, you don't want it. You don't want it. It's okay for, for me. It is what it is. All right, so that, that would leave Mazidal and Edwards, right? I mean, those are the yeah. two other guys that make sense, but it sounds like they're not really biting on a fight either, right? I mean, are, are you hearing anything from them? Are you guys – I mean, are you hearing anything from the UFC? What, what, what's what's going on with those potential fights? I don't know. I, I already talked to – I talked to Dana right after the fight, and uh, I don't know. We're waiting on these guys. I want to fight for sure – I need I need a little time just to recover my body, get back in training, and then all that, and get a camp. But I'll be able to go again October, November, and those are the two guys that kind of get me going more, you know. Because first of all, Leo Anderson number three, freaking ten win streak. That's the fight that excites me. Okay, that guy's freaking tough. He's been beating everybody, you know. He's won 
a big case to fight for the title. That's a fight that I want. That guy's tough as shit. Very tough, very good. For sure, we, I, uh, I'm not talking little crap to him anytime, but I wish it was him fighting for the title right now. The guy freaking deserves, let's be honest, he's the one that deserves. Don't take Kobe away from there, but it's supposed to be Liam. So he's not, let me fight Liam. Let's see, I don't know, I don't know. That was a good question, I don't know what's going on. I call him out, and he was talking mad crap too. Because I criticized the way he beat Nate, and then he, and then I said, "Okay, you talking shit? Let's fight." He's quiet, so I don't know. I hope we fight. It's one of those two guys that make a lot of sense for me. That makes me going. Mas without Leon Edwards. So let's see. I don't know. I don't know where the stakes are right now. Let's wait a little bit. But that's the fight that I want. I would think so. To me, it looks like that's that's the number one contender fight, right? You and Leon Edwards, that's the fight, if you're looking at the rankings, that makes the most sense, I would imagine. Uh, you said you talked to Dana afterwards. Did you get to talk? I mean, did you actually get to speak to him? What did he say? Because you know he didn't love the performance, but did he did he say anything to you at all? A little bit. He said he's all good. <laughs> he said he's all good. I say, I say hey, I you know, I, I tried to get a finish, but the freaking guys, right? even on the ground, people are like, why did you try to finish? You come in here and try to finish. <laughs> That guy was so slippery. I got a I got a cut on my head a week before the fight. My my son was playing golf. He freaking threw the the the, the golf club on my head. I got a little staples here, and then I went out to the fight in the in the first round. I was bleeding, but that was on my head. That was already a little scratch in there. As soon as the blood hit that guy's body, he was so slippery. People have no idea. Oh, you're a grappler. Yeah, I'm a grappler, but that's freaking slippery and grappler. It's different. And I was kind of controlling him more and then I got a finish and just say, then next time I will give a better fight. That guy is a freaking trick. And then he say, oh, good, blah, blah, blah. We talk a little bit. But I understand. As a promoter, for sure, a lot of famous, a lot of crazy, you know, great people watching. For sure, you want you want to bang, but that's not the right guy to bang. You know, let me bang with Mashdown. Let me bang with Leon. These guys freaking want a boy. Go there and bang with him. Good luck to you. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's back up a little bit. You got hit in the head with a, a golf club or, or yeah, the ball? I, what, this is a club? Yeah, my 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 <laughs> sense. So I just oh, I just is that hold on, sense. is that in that video we saw where you and your family was all at the golf thing? Is that when it happened? Almost. So we <laughs> I just finished my strength conditioning. And I was my at my strength conditioning place, IGP, they train a lot of golfers. So they have the golf club, they have the things in there. And then I already had planned with the family to go play golf at night. And then my son never plays. Hey, Pedro, my olders, come here. Let's, I'm going to show you how to do I don't know. I'm not professional, but I know how to play a little bit. And then I show him, hey, come. Here's the club. Look how you hold it. I know, daddy. I said, I know. Look. I know. I said, okay. And then I backed out. I backed away. I was very far away from him. But he he swung like a freaking a baseball bat. And he turns and then she come on my head and, and I was just like, man. And I was just like praying, hope he doesn't bleed. Hope he doesn't bleed. And I was just looking. I was blood everywhere. And then I was just like, man. Then I got a staples. And that was a nightmare. Then I got a kind of then I got <laughs> I got a hide from the from the commission and they take the staples out and make sure it was closed and that's what I, I like to put my head cut very very <laughs> low like that but at the fight it was bigger because I couldn't put as low because that freaking my my son hit me so hard with the golf club so 
It's crazy. <laughs> I had. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna post a video. I have a video me bleeding, and I have the video the guy stapled me on a Saturday, a week before the fight. A week before. Oh my god, that's you're in there banging. You know, training for a cage fight, doing the craziest thing, and it's on a golf range that you get busted up. <laughs> Can you imagine? My son, my my both sons, they crazy. I like I said, I have a bump right here on my on my arm from the kick from one boy. And my kids think they, they, they're crazy. They have a lot of energy. They think I'm playing. And she know it's hurt. And they come and they slap me so hard where it's hurting me. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. Daddy, it doesn't hurt that much. You were fighting. I say, yeah, but it hurt. After two hours, they come again. They don't see They kick me on the same place. Oh. <laughs> they're crazy. They're funny, but they're crazy. Oh man, that's amazing! Kids are kids are a trip, man. All right, listen. Uh, the only other possibility I see: what if what if what if Masvidal and Leon Edwards fight? You know, the three piece in a soda, the rivalry, oh, all that. Would you be okay with that, or do you feel like yeah. that would be wrong? I think they they should fight. They should fight. I think that fight might happen. Hey, as I don't see just as me, I see as a, as a, as a, as the UFC as the fans. That's a fight that I want to see too. Leon cannot go out with that. Who is the soda, you know? Yeah, I think they should fight. I don't know if they will, but they should fight. And uh, I don't know. That that would keep put me a little bit behind. But then I don't care. Fight another guy. It, it, it's all good. I think the improvement that I got with the loss to Kamar and the win of over Wonderboy, I'm I'm getting to the next level. So I just want to keep keep getting better, you know? It, it, for sure, I, I'd rather fight both guys. But... If that fight happened, uh, I'll, I'll I'll watch it too. I like it. I tell you what, man. You versus Nate Diaz, Masvidal versus Edwards on the same card—that'd be a lot of fun. Tell me that MS, wouldn't sell some papers. MSG, huh? MSG, Ooh, that would be crazy. MSG, huh? oh, that'd be amazing. Like, that'd be amazing. Oh, like. and then I wonder, I wonder if they could get the title fight ready by then too, and just have it be like a welterweight showcase. Put the put that Usman and Covington on there too. That'd be amazing. Hope, hey, you'd have all the backups in place if anything crazy happened. You guys would all be getting ready. I don't I know. Like it, I like it. I like it. That's a great idea. Maybe, call Dana. Hey, call Dana. We just, yeah, we just did it. Matchmaking meeting's done. We got Ooh. it done. It's all good. Ooh, See you good. guys in November in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like one more it. thing. <laughs> hey, one more I want to ask you. This grappling match with Jake Shields, Are you? is that going to is, is happen? Bro, he was – I, I got well, – I, 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 I kind of wanted to win. I beat a couple of, of teammates, and, and then he got so mad. But I beat Jake. I beat Chrome Grace. I beat AJ August Arms. So I'm not lying. So if you want to do it, I do it right now. Let's go. I You don't need – call Cheo. I think Cheo will do for sure. But even if Cheo doesn't want to do, how much you want to bet? I put – 10 grand or 20, you put it, you, you match, we match. The winner takes all submission only 30 minutes, 20 minutes. You don't need, I can call the guys from Flow Grappling or UFC Fight Pass, you can do like that. If not, we freaking put on YouTube, me and you, I go to freaking where he, I think he's in Vegas now. I go to Extreme right. we do right there. I call Ray Seth, we do right there. <laughs> I'm just fighting October, November, no one wants to fight me. I want to stay active, let's grapple, I don't care. If I'm 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 gonna grapple on between until I get my next I'm gonna grapple for sure. Why not Jake Shield? He's so mad. I I love that fight. You, you were there, you were there the queen that I yep. freaking smashing and they say, Oh, there was a draw and then look at him. And the way he beat me was at to be on the ground ABI rules. I 
I chased that guy the whole octagon, was a little octagon. And then we went to the overtime. The overtime starts on the back. And that guy didn't try to jump. He was just holding on me. He won by the quickest caper. He was capered because I was trying to finish, so he escaped it. He won't be by a quick escape, but just maul him like Queen Ted. So I like Jake Shields, but we grapple. I don't. We fight. We grapple. We spawn. If you want, we spar. I don't. I don't care. Let's do it. I, I'm mauling. We got to book that. That'd be a great. I mean, grappling is, is exciting right now. That'd be a great match between you two guys. Let's do it again. I think okay. we got to get make that happen. I mean, let's do it. Chael, flow grappling. Let's do it. I'm putting in some phone calls. I'm putting in some phone calls. All right, yo, I take it. I've taken enough of your time. I'm gonna let you go take care of your crazy kids. Who knows what they're doing behind the scenes, man? With all that energy. But but let's sum it up. October, November, that's ideal for you, right? October, November, that's yeah. what we're looking at. And Edwards would be the fight that you'd probably most want. But Edwards, Masvidal, Diaz, all those interesting to you? Yes. Yes. That that on that on that on that number. Leo number one, Masvidal number two, Diaz. If you want it, they if they want, they can get it. You can get it if you really want, you know, and then we'll see. We'll see. But October, three rounds. If it's five rounds, then we go November. Perfect. Look forward to it. Well, hopefully we get a grappling match in between then, and maybe we can get this Madison Square Garden welterweight super showdown all set up. I like it. I like it. Let's <laughs> do it. It's a pleasure hearing from Gilbert Burns. Obviously, there's a ton that we could talk about there as far as what's going on. But uh, the big one to me, I, I didn't say it. I stopped myself short. But when he said he's he's down for this grappling match with Jake Shields, and he started naming off organizations, I started to throw Fury Pro Grappling into the mix and say, hey, man, why don't why don't we host it there? But I didn't want to volunteer an event for uh, for my bosses over there when I don't really have the power to do that. But but I did say, as soon as I got off the phone with uh, with Gilbert, I will say I, I texted Rob Haydack over at CFFC, and I was like, hey, Gilbert Burns and Jake Shields want to have a grappling match. Like, what do you say we uh, we do a Fury Pro grappling event, put that as the main event, and uh, you know, we'll put that on UFC Fight Pass. So, fingers crossed, maybe we can make of, something happen. A match. I, I know, right? I'm telling you, I would love to match. see that. I would love yep. to see that, so... We'll see what happens. Uh, all right, listen, uh, you know, obviously UFC on ESPN 27 will be covering this week. Uh, a couple last things I want to share. A, th a thought that I had. Uh, Marion Renault. I didn't really think about it on, on this past week. I didn't talk about it much on the and a half episode. But I just want to say real quick, she set the tone for how MMA retirements should go. I mean, she, she didn't talk a lot about it until it was time. And then she made it clear that that was going to be it. And I will say this. I saw her... Uh, her posts on Instagram afterwards and it was so cool I mean she didn't get the win obviously that would have been the Cinderella story she didn't get that you know the storybook ending but it was so cool man if you go back and look at her Instagram there's like a picture of her and her whole team like over at the Las Vegas sign you know the welcome to Vegas sign and they've all got their shirts on their their last dance shirts you know or so they could all celebrate that moment together uh you know she had her son in the corner with her I mean just you know, didn't get the results from it, but it was so cool that her whole family and friends and squad, like, all got to soak it in. They all got to celebrate it. They all got to know it um, and, and, and share in that moment together. And I don't know, there was something kind of inspiring about that. It seems like MMA retirements are either, you know, too early and you know they're coming back or 
too late and you wish you would, they wouldn't have taken some added damage yeah. or you know <laughs> spur of the moment type decisions. Uh, but I, thought, I just thought it was so cool that um, that you know their whole crew and squad got to soak it in together and celebrate it together, and you know her family got to partake in it too. I just shout out to Marion Renault. I think she she set the bar for what an, uh, an MMA retirement should be. And uh, one other note I wanted to, wanted to say was a shout out to uh, a friend of yours and mine that we hadn't seen in a long time. I got to meet up with, uh, but John Wayne Troxel, of course, who we met over in South Korea, and and honestly one of the most memorable. Uh, experiences we've had in, in fight week coverage, you know, going to feed the troops over at the base on, on Thanksgiving in South Korea. Um, and, and he was the, the, the commanding officer over there and went on to uh, do some amazing things at the Pentagon and, and is now finally retired. But uh, saw mm-hmm. saw him in Las Vegas this week. It was cool to kind of kind of relive that uh, that experience because that was a that was a cool one man I know you as a as a as a military brat you enjoyed it you know feeding the troops and man just uh just being over there and getting to give back to those to those kids I'll be honest with you man especially with their buzz cuts and stuff man they're kids out there defending the country yeah they were they were some youngins I remember when we when we were sitting down chatting with some of them afterwards I was like my gosh you look every bit of 18 19 whatever 20 years old and some of them were I was like man they all they're all fresh-faced babies uh but no that was awesome that yeah anytime you could do something like that it's amazing anytime you get the 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 ability to go on some of these bases and and get to see these um soldiers do what they do and uh in their element when they're proud of showing what they do and we got to see some really really cool stuff so you know that was that was that that was a memory that'll have uh i'll have forever and uh yeah uh command sergeant major troxel is a badass i mean his uh, highest position that, that last one he, he was, he was the senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, it's pretty much it's it's the highest ranking like enlisted uh, person um, that uh, that there is. There's only right. I, I forget how many that 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 have, that have taken that position, but not everybody makes it up to that position. Not everybody even makes it to command sergeant major, uh, but then to get also the op- the opportunity to go actually serve the chairman. Of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is is pretty impressive. So yeah, the dude's a stud, uh, and he's all about it. The uh, E Tool Nation, yeah, and uh, all the other stuff. So yeah, no, it's very very cool. So yeah, hopefully when he comes back, we can do some more stuff. But yeah, that I thought that was pretty cool when I saw that uh, you were able to to meet up with him and stuff. So that very very cool. It was fun to see him, and uh, yeah, he's a huge MMA fan, and uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, telling me about some things happening. It was it was cool. It was good to catch up with him. So it brought back a, a memory that I know you and I both enjoyed. So hopefully we can both catch up with him uh, when he's back here in uh, August when he's planning on coming back. So anyway, that's enough for today. I think we've uh, talked about UFC on ESPN 27, shared plenty of interviews. It's going to be a good one. I, I can't hype it enough. I just look to me. It's, I get awesome. it. it's, it's not title fights. This isn't pay-per-views. But, you know, some of these weeks we say, well, you know, if you want to catch the highlights or watch this one. No, no, no. Tune in. Sit down. 7 p.m. Eastern for the prelims. Uh, wait. 7 p.m. We still got the same time for the prelim and the main cards. MMA Junkie is failing me right now. I have to go in and fix Boom. that. <laughs> I wonder if Fighting's got it right. Let me go to their site. I've never heard of that website, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh... Damn it! You gonna you gonna you gonna watch BKFC before? Oh yeah, Friday night. Got to check that out, right? It? I I know you're gonna watch it. Well, I don't know if I am. I don't I don't have I don't to, to actually pay for it. I'm like, Page Van Zandt, there's Rachel only one Austin? fight I'm interested. Uh, that's the only fight I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be interested oh. in that fight. Yes, that would be the mm-mm fight of the night for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will be tuned in. I'll be watching that. We do. I should mention that. Yeah, we do have Danny Segura out there covering it. I'm so hyped up by UFC on ESPN 27. Dude. We didn't even really talk about BKFC, but Danny Segura is out there covering it. So if you want full coverage of uh, BKFC and uh, Van Zant versus Ostevich, get it at MMA Junkie. Otherwise, tune in to us this weekend. Make sure you, you're right mm-hmm. over at Patreon.com for the and a half. And uh, enjoy your weekend. And thanks yeah. for listening.